Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park It is September 7th, 2020. This is Atlanta United FC Weekly, a Home Before Dark podcast. Dan, you already cracked here. There Yay. What, are you, what are you sipping on tonight? Is that Waterloo? I, I've got a pup, a grape Waterloo, a purple one in in uh in honor of our Orlando friends. Oh, I see. I see. I am Tim Herb. As always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Mr. Dan James. That way. <laughs> What's up? How's it going, man? Uh, it's going pretty good, Tim. Pretty good. Not we are too- Kevin West tonight. The triumvirate is now is now a duo. That's right, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think I've been on here more times than Kevin this year now. That's that's pretty crazy to think about in years past. We need a hashtag, where's Kevin? <laughs> or like hashtag, we need to talk about Kevin. What's the name of that movie? That's a little more, like, that's a little more serious than I think we need to get. But um, <laughs> thank you guys. On, on Labor Day of all days, as you guys are gearing up and reading probably all of your emails leading into going into Tuesday to make sure that you're not completely behind uh, taking time out of your night, um, especially on a holiday. And um, if you guys are watching us on YouTube, make sure that you guys, you guys hit the subscribe button, the notification bell icon. Join us every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Um, yeah, and if you're listening to us on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, what have you, leave us a rating and or a review. We will read it live on the show. Uh, I need to check. I don't know if we got any, but um, yeah, that's good. It's uh, no, it's a I feel it's a much better feeling tonight. I feel like than uh, than last than last Monday going uh, going in. Uh, going oh, into we're not. I thought we were talking about Kevin still. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> I see him in the trap. Quality over quantity, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you guys. I mean, we have we have the normal faces in there: uh, Elliot Beaven, Kendrick Brock, Domer, uh, Kevin Bradley is in there, which is a little odd to me because he should be recording with us. But right. it is what it is. What have you, Michelle? Thank you for joining us. The original, the OG trap star, Brittany S, joining us. Brian, this is a holiday edition, and we're not even actually talking about Atlanta United at all tonight. Right. We're just going to talk about politics, right? 
Mm. <laughs> yep. This is the special politics episode. <laughs> right. Oh, God. No, that's not happening. That's never happening on here. No, so, absolutely not. Um, so we're coming, you know, coming off of a... Um, a 1-1 one, one win. A 1-1 one, one win. Yes. Right. Against Orlando. We still, we have still yet to lose down in Exploria Stadium. One Love of Colorado, even before it had a, even before it had a sponsor. Um, we're wasn't 5 it, 0 and one. Wasn't it Camping World Stadium or something like that? No, Camping World was whenever they were in UCF Stadium. Camping World Stadium, oh. like the 40,000 uh, seat one in Orlando or right outside of Orlando for, um, um, yeah, University of Central Florida, I think. And then they switched, moved gotcha. over to Orlando City Stadium. And I don't think they had naming rights to it till this year. I don't remember ever calling it Exploria Stadium. But regardless, you're right, though. It's a 1-1 win. Right. We, we have a 1-1 win. Yeah, we have, we have 16 points out of 18 down in Orlando. How does that feel? <laughs> That's got to feel good. That feels pretty good. I mean, when, when Adam Yon put that header in, I was sitting in bed, like I was sitting in bed watching it because I'm an old man. Uh, my wife was asleep, and when it went in, I was just like silently screaming and shaking my like my little <laughs> girl fists at the screen. Yeah. It was uh, I was so happy because <laughs> I didn't think we were going to score. I, no, I mean, even no. though even though we'd played better, I was just you know I didn't really have much emotion into the game, and then um, I, I just didn't see us winning that game at all i'd already put it aside that it was going to be a loss yeah I, th- I, th- I think i was kind of in the we were on the couch though it's like and you like we were just kind of slumped over watching it just completely on it i would say the second half was a lot better to watch oh right? yeah it was a, it was a lot more fun to watch um but yeah same thing like i was just kind of in a, in a daze, just watching the game, just kind of going through the motions, and then holy shit, holy shit, <laughs> just popping up. Uh, I can't, uh, yeah, for like the like, I was waiting for the internet to break, and it subsequently did. Like, it's, <laughs> you had two very malign characters in the Atlanta United roster over the past couple months, two scapegoats, as it were, that people, you know, two two guys that people are. You know, pitting uh, pitting blame for put, pitting blame on whether it's you know Jake Moraney due to yeah pitying the blame. Uh, <laughs> Jake Moraney and his his red card sending off down in Orlando against Cincinnati that essentially mm. I think ended up losing us that game or did we draw that game? I'm trying to no, remember. we lost. We lost. We lost that game. Cincinnati. That's yeah. right. Um, and then Adam John, who's yet to get on the uh, on the end of a. Uh, scoring chance and he um you know it was it was interesting the guy's definitely been through a roller coaster with atlanta because he came in for non-soccer reasons people hated him right uh, exactly he came in they found a reason not to like him um and then one of the reasons obviously is him shushing the crowd uh, uh whenever columbus beat us in year one of the playoffs and then mm-hmm. um I think he endeared himself to the fans. He looked pretty good with substitution appearances and looked like he'd be a decent, decent backup striker. And then fast forward and the restart to the season, it's he's not really had many touches and um, yeah, a lot of people were calling for his head and then lo and behold substitution happens. And a couple minutes later, he's, he's put his head on the ball and got it in where Kuba Torres was unable to do that throughout the game. 
I I mean, I understand that he's just come in, but Kubo Torres, he was driving me nuts um, Saturday night. I know he's not up, he's not fit yet. He's not up to game speed. He's not really ninety minutes. But I was like, he's he has more top tier experience than than Jan does, and I guess it's just I could you know I can give him the benefit of the doubt, like. He's just going to – he's still just getting used to the team. He's getting used to everything. Uh, but I was like, come on, dude. When he missed that wide-open shot, which was uh, – I think it was a cross from Lennon, um, where he just mm-hmm. headed it right down into the ground and it bounced off out towards the um, the other side of the post. It's like, dude, are you are you serious? Are you even tr- are you even trying? Are you even trying, Kubo? But I guess, you know, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and hopefully he can um, – he can put some goals in for the rest of the season. But, yeah. Um, one thing I will say on the goal, I'm still not sold on Jake Mulraney. I mean, even Tyrone Mears had a wonder goal. And to be honest with you, if you're going to give Jake Mulraney that much space, if you're a professional soccer player, you should be able to put in a cross like that to John um, if you're going to have that much space and time, if you're not going to get closed down. I mean, he was just he basically ended up strolling up to the penalty box and whipping in across. But I don't know. I'm still out on Mulraney. I'm glad Jan scored a goal. Good for him. I'm glad he shushed the players as well. The fans, yeah. the Orlando. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. That that was great to see him him going over and shushing the fans. Uh, Kendrick mm-hmm. Brock uh, has corrected me, as he as he likes to do. Said camping Camping World is the Bowl Stadium. They do Camping World, uh, I guess the Camping World Bowl. Uh, UCF has their own stadium, so. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it's so we have a lot to talk about with that game, obviously, and the stuff happened be, happening before the game. We had some lineup shifts and and all that good stuff because of that, right? We had so we recorded Monday of last week with the man who broke the story. Uh, Felipe Cardenas joined us last Monday night, and then Wednesday morning, I think, is whenever they he broke the news that. Al Nasser had, you know, Saudi Arabian club had put in a, um, put in a bid for PD Martinez. And then within like the next hours accepted by the team, um, we seemingly have made a profit off of PD Martinez. And it seemed like all things considered, at least from my standpoint, and I, and I tweeted this out that, you know, whenever it was first, you know, the, the rumors were first reported. It's like, I, I genuinely, I think as a show, as you know, the three of us have consistently been like, I think he's been one of our better players the entire, whatever you want to call it, the restart, mm-hmm. what ha- whatever. Um, he's been the most, um, you know, all joking aside, you know, him botching that cross down in Orlando and he's had his moments, but so have all the other players where mm-hmm. but he's been our most, he was our most uh, dynamic attacker, our most threatening presence, our biggest playmaker. Um, and I honestly felt like the best was still yet to come from him in an Atlanta, oh, yeah. in an Atlanta kit, finally having maybe some managerial stability under him, um, <laughs> soon, but Hey, the opportunity came, the team saw that the player was probably still a little unsettled. He's 27 years old. He's probably only got two big contracts left in his, uh, his career, um, and he might have stagnated in MLS, whether that's, you know, the unfairness of the expectations that were put on him due to the transfer fee, him not having a, him essentially being brought in with no manager, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was brought in between managers, not really 
he wasn't Tata's guy. He wasn't Frank DeBoer's guy. He was the front office's guy. And he was kind of put and shoehorned into, uh, into Frank DeBoer's system and, and all that. And it just didn't work out. And all things considered, if the reports are right, good on him for taking that contract because it sounds like he's going to make a massive yeah. amount of money compared to what he was making in the States. And that's nothing to sneeze at. Like I, I don't know. I'm, I can, I can go on, Dan. I, what, what were your thoughts initially whenever that came through? I know we're almost a week removed from it, but we haven't talked about it on the show. I, yeah. When he, when that, when that rumor came through, what? So I, what I've heard of the amount is 18 million. I've heard that it's potentially more. Um, I haven't heard a rumor that it was less, but I haven't heard a confirmed amount. So I honestly am shocked that we made a profit off him. I feel like it was kind of like divine intervention that we got that amount of money for him and we're able to make a profit. Not that I don't think pity hasn't been successful in Atlanta. I think he has. I agree with you. His best is, was still yet to come for us to see it or at least consistency. Cause we did see flashes of brilliance here and there, but he was, he, I don't, I feel like he never lived up to the expectations that were placed on him. I feel like he was good. I feel like he's an excellent player. Um, I'd love to have him on my team, but now he's gone. I feel like it was, um, we all expected more from him. Um, yeah, and I, I personally think those are kind of unjust expectations. And I've, mm-hmm. I've, I feel that way based off of just years and years of watching European soccer and seeing the crazy transfer fees and seeing sometimes how that will break a player's performance, right? Like, yeah. If as a Liverpool fan watching Fernando Torres get sold for 50 million pounds in the January transfer and score like all of a couple handful of goals for Chelsea, right? For the, for the rest of his time there, <laughs> it's like it, it's but it's not fair to the player. Like they they play up to the point where they uh, they merit that transfer mm-hmm. fee. But at the end of the day, it's on the team for for paying them that much. It's not like the expectations are almost more external than they were internal. I feel like with PD and I, 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 or with any player that gets brought in for that sum of money. And I, I don't know. I I just think that it was probably unfair. And I think that, um, I think he's going to destroy the Saudi Arabian league. And then he's probably going to get himself a transfer to Europe. Some, you know, somewhere probably, you know, mid mid tier club, probably in Syria or, or La Liga or something like that. But, yeah, if he can do that, um, I think Longshore said that they have one potential outgoing to, I think, somewhere in the Turkish league. But I don't, I had a look around. I couldn't see many departures that were heading to um, bigger clubs as like a stepping stone. This kind of, to me, this kind of feels like more of a, He's just gonna, and I don't, I don't fault him at all for trying to get for follow money and getting paid. I mean, that's what I do, and you've got a family to look after. Um, but it kind of feels like, well, where is he going to go from here? I mean, it's either it's either going to be he goes up and can get transferred over to another one, or or he doesn't, and then he just stays there. I, I personally feel like that's not going to be the greatest platform for him to to go from but 
And my initial reaction was, well, it's great for Atlanta United that he's getting sold. I don't think it's the best thing for his career. But that's yeah. all relative depending on how much money you get paid. So. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, if, if the if the rumors are true, it's 500% pay increase, making $5 million a year or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to fault him. Uh, to me, that's oh, yeah. a successful career. <laughs> that's a successful yeah. career move, in my opinion. Any other segment of business you can think of, it's like if you get a pay increase like that. It's... Anyway, and then next day, maybe two days later, we get uh, whatever. I don't know how, how much merit the, the rumors have to them for Barco, but that's was looking at Barco for uh, probably in the Kevin Bradley range of uh, transfer fee. Nah. Not in, a, we, not in a logical transfer fee range. Well, he what it was twenty five million or something they were looking for. No, that's, what, that was, that's, that, that's what Darren Neal said. Nothing less than twenty five, maybe. Mm. Oh, so the first rumor I saw was he would be for twenty five, and then oh, I saw I another like rumor that fourteen euro or ten to fourteen million euros or something like that. And then the next one, the next one I saw was like Atlanta United had dropped the asking fee for between twenty three and twenty two. So that's, I mean, that's kind of what I was looking at. And I was, I was surprised you were going to get that much right now. I mean, in a year, you had them for a year, you know, you could get a lot more potentially. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I guess that one remains to be seen. I really mm-hmm. hope not. And Dan, I completely forgot that we played Miami last Wednesday because that game <laughs> was so unremarkable. Oh yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, yes. Yeah, I think I don't even know. I don't even know if there's much to take away from that game. I think all there is to take away from it is I think our back two played pretty good in walks and because Miles played in that one, didn't he, for a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, our back two center backs played pretty good, uh, and that was about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fair. I mean, I think they've been a pretty good duo together. Um, it was hard to tell. And again, I'm not a tactician. This isn't the show to come to for tactics. I don't think unless you're, you're the one talking, Dan, sorry, Kevin, I think you and I would both be pretty self-deprecating in that, but me more so than Kevin. I think that he probably gives himself less credit than he deserves, but, um, I, I didn't, I don't know what was causing the, so let's go to the Orlando game, Dan, obviously, sure. you know, PD, um, have to fill that hole we have to kind of rework the lineup but we did get the reintroduction of franco escobar into the lineup right um trying to remember let's see we had a pivoting uh like a double a double pivot is that what you call it in the in the midfield with the two defensive midfielders between jeff and uh eric rometty yeah um so it was i'm just pulling up who scored so it was laying out in a four two three one um i think so we had at the along the back line it was Bello Walks, Robinson, and Escobar. I thought that Walks had a great game. Uh him and Escobar had last man tackles, uh, which was which was fantastic. I thought Walks this has been Walks' best game that he's played that I've seen. Uh then, like you said, Tim, we had Je- Jeff and Remedi in the middle, and then Barco Hyman, Lennon across the top with Torres up at the very top. Um I thought I've been so impressed with Brooks Lennon. I thought he was going to have a night off, but he didn't. He played the whole 90 minutes. That kid has just got so much stamina, and I'm, I'm really glad that we have him on a team. for Because he's been like that 
he's been the one bright spark throughout all of the games, even though I didn't mention him when we briefly talked about Miami. Uh, but he's just his work rate. And th- I mean, I remember how Yamil Assad in um, 2017 would just be busting his ass all the time just to try and get up and down the line. And he wasn't the fastest guy, but you could always see it on his the expression on his face that he was just trying to run and trying to run and trying to trying to get to where he was. He would to try and get into the play that was going on. Um, so I've been really happy with Lennon. Um, yeah, Barco just hasn't been able to get much going now. I think Will in the trap, um, what's he getting? So Barco's getting like three guys on him, triple teamed every game. So he can't really do much, which is, again, so frustrating because he hasn't, I mean, I feel like we haven't seen the best of Barco to yet. Like I feel that's still to come and he can't get it because the refs are just not that great and they're not consistent. So they're calling fouls on Atlanta and giving us cards, but they're not really calling all those fouls on Orlando or not giving out cards. And it's just breaking up the play uh, and it's making him frustrated. He was really frustrated when he got subbed off, but I think that was just a, a, a pre- a pre-prepared sub from Glass when Barca got subbed off. But you heard what he said, right? You saw what what Barca was saying to Stephen Glass whenever he was coming off. Mm-mm, he said, no. "We're trying to win this game. Why are you taking me off?" Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, like totally he's got fight that. in him. It was I Good. thought it was phenomenal to hear. I thought that was awesome to see. That's that's that Joseph Martinez mentality. Like he got taken off, and he wasn't like sunken. Like he wasn't like getting upset or sad like he was angry because mm-hmm. he was like he he to me he was one of the few people that looked like a threat on the field for us at, at mm-hmm. any given time i felt like he made some whenever and i tweeted this out during the the, so the first half maybe is whenever he was working the left side of the field i felt like we were very um a lot more dynamic i guess i, I mm-hmm. thought i'd saw more um more threat from us whenever barco was working the left side of the field um yeah it was obviously i love the fight in him i love seeing him but the, knowing his injury history too i'm not upset that Stephen glass took him off um kind of save him and i know he's just getting worked back into fitness but i thought that was awesome to hear yeah that's fantastic i mean like um i think kevin said if he can elevate to that leadership to be a leader within the team i mean that's that's to me where his next level of development is in terms of his value. Um, yeah, no, sure. I didn't. I totally missed that. That's fantastic to hear. Yeah, I said that. Stephen Glass said that, in the, I guess, in the press conference. Uh, that's what Barco told him whenever he was getting subbed off, which I thought was great. That's awesome that uh, Glassy said that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's good to hear that. And then, I mean, we weren't that threatening. It, it was it was interesting because like the first half, this was I was what I was getting at. Like my tact, like my tactical awareness is obviously a little off because I see people talking about Miles Robinson and and Anton Walks maybe being the reason for the defense being like like Swiss cheese in the first half and that they were always constantly defending. But to me, it was you had a double pivot with uh, Remedi and and Jeff, and it was still the penetration from Orlando was still there like in droves in the first half and, and eventually leading to that goal before the half. But um, yeah, I, mm-hmm. to me, I, I felt like that was completely on the midfield. I was like, why do you put in two defensive midfielders 
um, if if not for for them to be able to release the attack and be able to t- kind of ease the be a pressure valve for the for the back four, and it just didn't seem like it worked. Yeah, I felt so. I think Mueller played a fantastic game. Um, he is he is a very dangerous player that I'm not looking forward to playing so frequently. And then you put in you add Daryl Dehier, who is I mean he's got the all the hallmarks of becoming a Lukaku type player. You know he's strong, he's fast. He's he's pretty tidy with the ball and is just ready to go 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 and will press you pretty hard. He can um, finish too, like clinical type finishing too. It's yeah, a, and I think that's a good call out too. It was like he's not like he's not a poacher from inside the box. Like I've seen one or two of his goals. Mm-hmm. I feel like have come from around or right outside the eighteen. Mm-hmm. Well, the I mean the goal he scored, he he scored. Um, for Orlando, they, did they end up giving it to him, or did they? No, end up no, no, it no. To... They gave it to Michelle. Yeah, it was so Benjamin Michelle. Yeah, but it was. I mean, it was such a fluky goal. But I feel like Mueller, DK, Pereira, Michelle, Mendez, uh, even Ros- Rossell. He would played a great. I mean, he was bodying. He was bullying our midfield, our top mm-hmm. um, three guys. Um, so when you've got those kind of guys in front and a center back in Carlos Antonio who can just get away with red cards all the time then you know it's a really it's a really formidable team to play against and I felt in the second half it was almost like they gave it away they just sat back on their laurels if they had pressed us like they had been doing then in that first half then I really thought like um that could have been our death knell they would have been able to to push us down and got another couple of goals. But, you know, we had awesome goal line clearances from Emerson Heinemann to, to help us out and some pretty good yeah. saves from Guzan, some excellent tackles from Robertson and walks um, that helped shut them down. I mean, I, I was really impressed with this group of players that we had with only Barco being our one DP. Um, I was really impressed. And I think that they, I mean, they had to have felt like they had something to prove as well. It's like, okay, well, Joseph's out now. Pity's going as well. It's like, what, you know, we've got a pandemic on, murder hornets. You've. <laughs> Fernando Mays is still out. Fernando Mays is still out. Right. Um, they've barely been playing. Like, all their guys aren't exactly, they don't even know what they're doing or what their role really is in the club or a lot of, especially our midfield. I fairly felt like they had something to prove. And I'd love to have hear what Stephen Glass said to him at halftime. Um, I wonder if it was like a Mourinho-esque, you guys have put yourself in this position now, just get yourselves out, you know. So it was impressive to see that so that cohesion from the team and the fight, like you said, with Barco, with Dam coming on, and he it looked like he was having a good time. Um, yeah, it's, it's great to uh, – it was great to see that in the second half. Yeah, for sure. Go to the trap real quick. Jay Thug, a new name that I don't think we've ever seen in the trap. Uh, Jay Thug. MLS, yeah, he says from MLS fan, LA fan. He said Atlanta United needs better players. Simple. He said Orlando missed so many goals. Could have been bad for Atlanta United if Orlando had better strikers to finish the chances. He's not wrong. I mean, they had a ton of chances in the first half, especially. But mm-hmm. you're right. They took their foot off the gas. They really – like may, and I'm glad they're not to that point yet where it looks like they're a ruthless team. Right. Um, 
obviously Pereja's got them playing the best soccer they've played in probably their existence. Even whenever they were on that six game run, that fabled six game like winning streak under Jason Christ, I don't think they've played this well under any manager. Um, and but they haven't reached that point yet. It doesn't look like where they just put their foot on the throat and just mm-hmm. keep, keep putting goals in there. I disagree with Jay Thug. I do think they have, I mean, what better strikers are you going to get right now? I mean, if you give those group of players, you know, a lot more experience together where they can play um, back, you know, back-to-back games for a whole season, I mean, that could be a real killer line of players that you're putting up. I mean, absolutely, they miss chances, but I don't know how you can get better right now. Yeah, no, I mean, when I look at their lineup, Dan, this is mm-hmm. definitely the most impressive lineup that I think they've ever put out there. I mean, between mm-hmm. some go through their lineup, the octopus, uh, Pedro Goese and, and goal. Um, and then you have Robin Janssen and Antonio Carlos are pretty formidable uh, center backs. Who is, you know, I thought was funny is like the announcers, We'll call Juan Juan and pronounce the R with an H because he's uh, Portuguese or Brazilian. Uh, but they called him Rosetto, which I thought was interesting. Anyway, <laughs> um, but right, like it's, they're both from Brazil. It's both right. you know Brazilian Portuguese. Um, but Chris Mueller, Yuri Rosell, who I didn't realize is still below thirty, under thirty years old. I think um, Mendez was kind of a pest. Um, he yeah. should to, to me that first tackle that he had. I, I think I could see that being a red card in some instances, depending on the referee. Um, but then Benji Michelle Pereira and then and then DK in the front, like in the Nani on the bench, and then you have Tech- oh, yeah, Tesho yeah. Akindeli who can come in and and perform. I mean, we've seen him perform, um, in years past. I it's a team that's definitely built to be, um, good for a few years they're not you know they're not buying mercenaries in that so yeah i mean i definitely think i mean this is their first choice lineup or maybe with with nanny slotting in for potentially michelle um but either way this is a it's a great lineup i mean you've got a real enforcer in your Russell there in the middle of the field um but the only thing um I think is they just don't have, they're not as deep as some teams. Like I feel like Atlanta United's, I feel like we are deeper, but our ceiling is not as high as theirs is. Like I, I think that um, with this group of players, if they all stay healthy on Orlando's side, he, I mean, they could very well be in the final for MLS cup or whatever, oh, wow. whatever form we have that. Yeah, I don't know when that's going to be, what it's going to be, what that looks like. Um, mm. You mentioned Jurgen Dom, who to me has been a bright spot for this team whenever he's come on. I felt like, yep. um, you know, there were two camps whenever he got brought in. You know, there's a camp that was, this is great. At one point, he was a really promising player. Let's see if what, what he can do under the right management, change of scenery, all that stuff. And then you have the people that immediately were saying, you know, he's damaged goods what have you like he's not he didn't live up to expectations i don't know why you're bringing him in hopefully those people are leaning more towards the other side now and and seeing some of the potential that he has and that he looks comfortable on the ball mm-hmm. he looks um i don't know he looks a threat um 
compared to yeah. the majority of this team. Like we, that's the, that's the thing is in this game, especially in the, in the Miami game there, it was so hard to find where we were going to score from. Right. Like it was, it was so hard to predict if it was going to come from, um, well, it was going like, to be Brooks Lennon and that was it. It seems. Yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> who, I, I still baffles me. He wins every header that, is, <laughs> that comes his way. I'm like, this is incredible. Like, I don't, I don't expect you to be that good aerially, but, um, but yeah, I mean, what are your impressions on, on Jurgen Dom? Um, I feel like, like, I don't think he's fit enough, but then what was it? Glassy was saying about, um, I think he said this about Torres. He wasn't gonna, we're not going to know if he's 90 minutes fit until we play him 90 minutes and see what happens. So I would love to see Dam start. He's had, you know, he's had two substitution appearances now, right? I think. Two or three. I think three, right? It was um, Orlando, Miami, and then Orlando again. Because he served Lennon's goal, and I think he came in against Miami midweek, and then he was obviously right. in the game. The, okay, uh, so I'm hoping to see him him start and just see what happens. Um, because I because I worry about if we, if we play Jan and Torres up the top, two of them, I'm kind of worried where we go from there because I don't think those guys are going to last 90 minutes. And I think Dam could can be the um, that attacking threat on the right side with just one of John or Torres in there at the same time. So then you've got something else to fall back on as the match and how however the match goes. Um, but I've seen he's great so far. I might um, if he keeps it up, I might get a Dam number 22 on my jersey or something. But... Oh. Oh, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Um, I want to go to the trap. Gustavo Rodriguez, our buddy down in Buenos Aires, is saying uh, the speed and pace of the team is given by the number six, but Big Red is retiring, referring to Jeff Lorenowitz. So if Remedi is the number eight, it's asking too much. He has to play alone in the center circle. If he can't dominate it, we're off. And that's pretty much, I think, what we saw and kind of alluded to in the trap, too, um, that Remedi just was off on Saturday night. And it, it kind of, led to i don't know the barrage that the defense saw but mm-hmm. i don't know it's hopefully we see more consistency from him but i don't know what do you do with the midfield dan because it doesn't seem like playing the playing the two behind um behind a, an attacking four or what whatever you want to say it really worked on saturday yeah i mean i wonder if I wonder if um, on another night they might do better. Like, I'm not convinced that this may not work against, you know, Miami. Um, it's almost like, I mean, do you go for a 3-5-2, which is, you know, a little bit more, can be a little bit more defensive where you always have those three guys staying back and then a third one in front. Um, I think uh, Rometty just didn't have a great game. Uh, which is kind of annoying because he's been hot and cold. Um, and the Lorenowitz didn't have all that great a game either. So, and the defensive, I'm I'm not convinced we found a formula for that midfield. It's almost like it was a game where we could have done with more, we could have done with Rosetto in there because he's been kind of been a lot more stable at times when he's come in. 
Um, yeah, that's what uh, Brittany asked saying. She thought Glass was resting Rosetto uh, mm-hmm. on Saturday, and maybe that led to that too, and saying that he should probably be starting on, on Wednesday. Um, do you start him or do you start Fernando Meza back there too? Um, I think there's I think there's a thought. Doug Robertson had uh, reported today that Fernando Meza is going to be um, available on Wednesday for the first time. Um, and I think there's the thought out there that he could play center defense mid too. Um, oh, really? Yeah, because I think um, – I didn't know if Meza could play uh, – you were talking about Meza at CDM? Yeah. Interesting. I thought I didn't know he could play that. Um, I've I would just seen like that to floating see, around. I don't know. Yeah, I'd like to see Rosetto back in there. If we, if you did Rometty and Rosetto pairing uh, with Hyman in the middle, so I mean, you would best. So here would be my lineup. Uh, so Escobar is suspended again. Yeah, that's also a really annoying thing too. It's like. Um, just completely avoidable, I felt like, too. Um, yeah, he's got that hot head right now. Um, so I'm concerned about him. Like, you know. um, all right, so here's, here's what dad I did. Dad of the year right there, I just will say. <laughs> Dan's still, Dan still uh, saying goodnight to his boys, even though he's recording the podcast. That's, That's dad right. of the year. That's material. commitment. That's commitment, Kevin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. if He's not wrong. If um, So Will Boron was saying, negative Will Boron in the trap. I feel like every time I read his comment, it's negative. Uh, mm-hmm. Bellow's potentially injured. So... Too bad. I'm going to put in Bello, Walks, Robinson, and then I'll put Lennon back at right mid. Um, I'm going to play Rometty, and I'm going to put um, Rometty paired with Rosetto in the middle. So you've got a little bit more push in the up the uh, front end. So I'm looking at Rometty being that sort of enforcer, trying to boss people off the ball. Um, and then I'm looking at Rosetto to sort of link play uh, more gracefully up towards Heinemann that's in my 10 roll. I'm starting Dam on the right wing. Um, Barco, I'd keep Barco on the left. That was, I thought that worked out pretty well. And then, yeah, I guess I'd start Torres again. He he deserves more chances. Um, I'm just concerned that Jan needs too much support from the supporting cast of players in order to get out what we want from him. And I, I believe that Torres has more adaptability to different situations. He should do anyway. Um, so he would, I would start him as well. But if Bellow's out, I guess you throw, I don't know, you throw Jake Mulraney back there in the left-back position or, you know, John Gallagher. <laughs> I actually didn't mind what I saw from John Gallagher on Saturday. It brought a little bit more energy back in there, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, for sure. Like, he's faster than I, I, I think I gave him credit for. Like, I mm-hmm. felt like he was quick. I think that he was, he was like, very, like, uh, scrappy. Like, he hustled uh, a lot on the ball, too, or uh, uh, off the ball. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I thought, I thought he was, um, I don't know, bright spots, the right word, but I liked his injection of energy into the lineup. I mean, to your point, I mean, Adam John does, he requires too much service i think that's maybe he works better as a substitution than he does as a as a full 90 minute player first 70 minute player whatever you want to say Mm -hmm. because there is 
a lot more that you have to do to get him um, into attacking chances, I feel like. Whereas Kubator has, for better or worse, I mean, in the past few weeks that we've seen him, you've seen him create chances on his own or get on runs inside the box, be, you know, being played through and that sort of thing. And it's not just crosses into the box that were that are finding him. Yeah. Um, Cause I think uh, Doug Robert Robeson said, you know, the type of ball that Jan needs is a high arcing ball that can be played not too close to the keeper. So the keeper can come out and claim it, but not too far away um, that he has to, you know, do too much running. Uh, it needs to be kind of perfect and spot on. Which he's our Goldilocks. He's our Goldilocks. You gotta, <laughs> gotta, gotta I mean, I'm 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 delighted that he scored a goal, but I wanted, you know, I just it's too much. Like in the in the dynamic, well, it's not really in just this messed up world that we're living in and all the upheaval that's happened with Atlanta United. We murder need Hornet. players. Forget murder, Mur- Hornets, yeah. murder Hornets. I forgot them. You know, so many so many things. Um, we need players who can can just make stuff out of garbage, you know? No, yeah, yeah. for sure. I think Barco is a player that's like that too. I think mm-hmm. that, I, I think, I don't yeah. know. If you have pay, I, I would be interested to see, I like your lineup choice. And I'd be interested to see Jurgen Dom across from Barco. Um, yeah, I just, I like the speed that that brings in. And not just the speed, the agility, the quickness. Um, that those guys have. And then if you have Bello and Lennon uh, on either side, yeah, there's a, there's threats that can come from the threats are there. The goal, goal scoring uh, chance like the creation to me is still who's, who's going to be that person. Yeah. All right. Who's going to be that person that's going to put that. Oh, was that a question? Was that a question to me? No, I I mean, it was rhetorical. If you want to answer (laughs) it, I don't know. Like, I don't know. It still remains to be seen who our key key playmaker is outside of uh, Ezekiel Barco. Yeah. I mean, it seems, I mean, from what we've seen right now, it's been Barco and Dam who have been kind of helping to create those, those chances. Or Um, like is, is playing. So just going to your three in the mid, I guess. Is is playing Heinemann, Rosetto, and Rometty, Josetto, Rometty, whatever. Um, is that like redundant? Is it redundant to have Josetto and, and Heinemann in the midfield together? I don't think so, because I think Rosetto can can be that link up to he can effectively play that six position where he can link it up. You know, you can Rosetto can push forward with relying on Rometty to back him up. That's my that's my angle to it. So Rosetto's kind of that link up and then cuz Heinemann can can also be a link up player as well. So if you have those two sort of playing, you know, vertically to each other. So it's almost like, you know, you've got Rometty here, Heinemann uh Rosetto here and then Heinemann at the top. So you've got this sort of you know, the ball's jumping from Rometty up to Hyman, up to, oh my gosh, Rometty up to Rosetto, up to Hyman. So that's, that's kind of the, the angle I'm, I believe that, that we can, we would be playing with that uh, setup. Okay. Cause I want to push Hyman further up the field. Dear God. So for those of long listeners to the show, Pirlo is laying outside of the studio. <laughs> I have the door open. He is laying outside of the studio, and I smell his passing gas in the hallway. 
and it's uh, gassing me out of the studio. I Good job, Pilo. Yeah, need to wrap Good job. this up. Yeah, so get us- I want to put out, point out Doma and the trap thing. PRO releasing the Orlando boot to Lennon's face should be in a penalty. It's frustrating. It is extremely frustrating. And basically, we were going back to what I said. I mean, these. I think he it was his ninth MLS game or his ninth or sixth MLS game. He was he was refing. So it's like. I feel like there are areas where, you know, when you have like sort of younger staff, they kind of be like by the book. There's no sort of like understanding the context of what's happening in order to enforce a law. So, yeah, I just didn't see how that was not a penalty. It didn't make any sense. I mean, you could technically say that he played the ball first, but then you've seen a whole bunch of sliding tackles where they play the ball first and then clatter into the other posing player. Right. But that's yeah. still given. So this doesn't make any sense to me at all. It was ridiculous. Joe Johnstone, ridiculous. yes, I am wearing a Pacers hat. I am a lifelong Indiana Pacers fan. A very, very, very long-suffering Indiana Pacers fan. Um, <laughs> no, you're, I mean, you're right. I mean, I can't think of an instance... Like going back to World Cup, what was that? 2010, Spain and Netherlands, where mm-hmm. Nigel de Jong karate oh. kicking Shabby Alonso in the chest. Like that, that was, that was like egregious. And that's still like that, that was a yellow. It was egregious. Like that, 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 that didn't warrant a red. Like I can think of so many instances where I don't know if the, like, is the referee just scared to change the game that with that call? Like, I don't, it's just yeah. so frustrating to me. It's like, be brave, stand by your decisions. Even if you make a bad, like if you make, I, I don't know, just you, you got to be more confident in yourself. Like, I didn't listen to the audio. Um, I I feel like from what I was hearing, the guy was saying, oh, did he get ball first? Right. Did mm-hmm. he get ball first? If he did, then that's fine. I, that's all I need. I don't. Like, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's um, it's like you need that maturity in order to like reassess, feel like un like feel the room, like understand where everyone's going from, and then you can make a, a, a correct decision, which is tough to do, and you can only get that through experience. Um, and I want these refs to have experience, but I feel like you know in order to give your league more legitimacy it's to have well educated and very well experienced referees uh but i you know you don't get experience unless you you do it so you know uh, what's funny though dan i just i'm thinking about it right now you know who the referee was that only gave a yellow for nigel de young's karate kick to Xabi alonso's chest it was uh howard webb wasn't it who's the head of pro howard webb howard webb Closed loop. Yeah, it's all. uh, It's all. It's all Howard. Conspiracy, guys. It's it's a conspiracy. No, but I mean, it's it's interesting though. I'm thinking about that because that was a poor decision in World Cup 2010, and then to take that, and then the guy who's leading the charge for your your refereeing association Mm -hmm. had kind of a reputation for not. I I felt like for not being a great referee. Um, So my take on that is so before bar you had to just stick with your decision even if like halfway through 
you realize you made the wrong decision, you have to go with it. Because, you know, if, if you show the players that, you know, your mind can be changed, then they're going to, you know, it's gonna not going to be a good day at the office for you. They're just going to, you know, steamroll over you. I mean, um, I remember Men in Blazers interviewed uh, one of the referees. I can't remember his name. He's a Geordie. He's from Newcastle. Um, he was real famous. I think he's in Abu Dhabi now. But I think he he uh, refed a World Cup final. But he was saying that he was... Martin, ref- uh, Martin Atkinson? No, not Martin Atkinson. No. Uh, um, Mariner? I don't think so. Um, anyway, he was saying that he was refing a game and he was about to make a decision. And Roy Keane came over to him and screamed and yelled in his face. And he actually changed his mind just because of the intimidation brought by Roy Keane. And he's like, I know that was the wrong thing to do, but you know, I was, you know, I was scared. It's me. And then these 11 players and Roy Keane, and then, you know, 70,000 fans that are screaming at you. So, um, but what VAR has done, the introduction of VAR has done, has allowed referees to alter their decision in a non-face losing way. Um, and I felt like that the ref in the um, kick to Lennon's face just still was like, I don't want to hear a VAR. I've made my decision. You don't need to tell me what to do. I'm just going to go ahead and go with what I thought. So. I know. I thought it was misplaced. Yeah, you have to be to go back. Like you have to be confident in your decisions, but not stubborn enough to see where you've made a mistake. If if you yeah. have the benefit of 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 VAR on your side, but yeah, I agree. All right. Um, I thought I saw some more things in the trap. Yeah, Gustavo oh. saying uh, I'm with Dan. John is terribly lonely up top. Say, so what about the midfielders? They don't trust him. They throw him balls senselessly. Uh, they have to get close to him so that he can uh, so he can block the marks, like in bas- or in basketball. I'm guessing he's saying, yeah, yeah. It's it's tough. I'm hoping Torres can be the guy, though. I was I was really irritated when he missed that one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard not to be. Some of the chances that he scuffed have been have been his reputation the past few years. He needs mm-hmm. to shake that. Like I I think he needs to shake that to try and get back to the to to the dangerous Kubo Torres that was in Houston and that was in mm-hmm. um LA with Chivas. So it's yeah. hopefully we get that guy again. He's only been in training for what two weeks with us, three weeks. Um, right. hopefully we start to see that from him. But I mean we're going down to Miami, right? Yeah, we're going uh-huh. down to Miami on Wednesday before coming and going Back to Nashville. Nashville on Saturday. So. Well, at least they can go through home on the way. Yeah, to Gustavo's point, um, you know, he's responding to Joe. Uh, but to think about Joseph, they throw him the ball by many sides so he can turn around to get to more space for him. And Jan is big and tall. Yeah, so Joseph can make those things. I mean, I feel like Joseph is the reason why Gressel was so successful. Because he could just get the stuff. I know. How dare Uh, you say that? (laughs) Oh, you think it's the other way around? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So before, um, Elliot Beaven was saying, if Joseph did not get injured, would Frank be fired? No. Yeah, I don't think he would either. 
because it he, wouldn't have been it wouldn't have gone winless down in Orlando. Like it would have been completely mm-hmm. fine. He covers up the mistakes or covers up the inadequacies of managers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's that leader on the field that could, you know, help with the communication issues. So maybe it was a good. Whoa, no, I'm not going to finish that sentence. I'm not going to finish that sentence. No, don't you dare! Don't you dare! I thought it was still still pretty great that Joseph was. Uh, uh, he did his Orlando <laughs> and laughed. Uh, well, because uh, there's been so many of the Orlando fans doing their own video. Yeah. Of that, did you yeah. see? Did you see uh, Lee's trophy that he made? Um, no, I didn't. It was awesome. It was like a two by four with an upside down water bottle into it and he'd sprayed it all brown <laughs> and it said and it's got three one written on it and it's like the trophy for Atlanta Orlando finally beating Atlanta United <laughs> and he's like yeah but do you have one of these it's called hardware it, it was really funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was um yeah it only took them 10 tries no yeah. 11 tries right it was their 11th game or was it their 10th Oh man, I I'd lost count to be honest with you. It was either the tenth or eleventh game. Yeah. Yeah. Um oh Chief uh Chiefs coach Steve trophy was made for him from an Atlanta fan on a bet. Oh, okay. That's either way. Well, it was good of him to put it up on Twitter to show it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Brittany asked poses the question and said, so Joseph was the patch for DeBoer. Um I mean, I think in many ways, like, I mean, you're seeing with Bob Bradley right now in LAFC, right? Without Carlos Vela, that team is, they're just as bad as we are, right? Mm-hmm. They're in seventh or eighth place. They got shellacked last night by LA Galaxy. Was it, what was the score in the end? I saw it was 2-0. 3-0. 3-0. Who yeah, was Sebastian Legette scored a bicycle kick to, to make it 3-0. Mm-hmm. And didn't was it Christian Pavone scored a ridiculous goal? Also, I didn't even I didn't see that goal. But you know, future future Atlanta United uh, winger Christian Pavone. <laughs> That's what I keep saying is like we're going to sign him after he has to go back to to Boca Juniors. I hope that's true. The kid's phenomenal. Um, yeah. Well, keep saying it, Tim. Keep saying yeah. it. Yeah. Just put it out there. It'll it'll uh, it'll come back, Dan. One of the things I, I don't know what to expect with the games in Miami and and, and in Nashville. Nashville is so hot and cold; it's mm-hmm. hard to tell like whether or not I feel confident or not. Obviously, we beat them in the restart at the beginning, got our three points, but then they've been pretty good since. Um, I wanted to ask you a question though regarding, and people were talking earlier in the trap about it, is like regarding the DPS. Like, right. do we go about signing one right now? So if you are Boca Negra and Darren Eels, let's say you combined yourself, right. you did the fusion dance. Um, what would you do right now in like, it, if knowing that we don't have a manager, a long-term manager uh, in house yet, knowing mm-hmm. what happened with Petey Martinez doing that, signing a big name player as a DP, when you don't have a manager with a set vision, do you go about trying to appease a fan base, bringing in a name to replace Petey Martinez, potentially Ezekiel Barco too? We'll see. That still remains to be seen. Transfer windows up until the end of October, I think, 29th, 25th. Mm-hmm. Um, do you go and find a player right now, or do you wait until you get your manager into the building? I don't think we can 
make i it's where whatever's i mean we can't there's nothing much we can do to control the timelines of those it's like when an when an appropriate player is available and whatever the transfer market brings up is when we're going to have to act i worry that if we wait for a new manager those opportunities could be lost however if it all i would I mean, obviously, I prefer to get the manager in place and then get the player, but we may not have a choice. We may just have to buy the DP and then, you know, get the player. But that's the point. That's what annoys me about the front office with what happened with, well, actually, maybe it's not their fault. But the the whole purpose of having a sporting director, which is the model that we have in Carlos Bocanegra, is to keep the consistency of the styles of um, players coming into the club. So, so you're not like, you know, with QPR, they didn't have that. So, you know, Harry Redknapp would come in and just drop a ton of money on all these different players that Harry Redknapp God, wants. You remember, you remember that patchwork of mercenaries that that oh. team had whenever they got back to the Prem? It's like, holy shit, like, what are they doing? Yeah. And then, so, you know, you'd have these huge swings up and down. Um, and not that there's not change when those things happen, but the, the point is to, like, keep it consistent so you're not having – you're trying to keep the peaks and valleys closer together rather than, like, you know, like a tidal wave. So, and then – so, really, we should already have the types of profiles of players that we have identified that we want to go after. We should have a list of DPs that we are already going after that we've potentially already scouted um we should have that in place we may we may not who knows um so it's just that the timelines never line up that's my only thing there's nothing we can do to control that like if um super amazing um young teenager comes out of argentina and is suddenly available we can get him to just get him and then you know get um Marcelo Guiardo when uh, we finish <laughs> the uh, the contract talk with him, but yeah. I do think I do think that we're going to be looking for a under twenty two, under twenty three aged player, um, because of the salary cap hit that they do. So it's I think it's an under twenty two player gets you a hundred fifty thousand dollar cap hit, and an under twenty three is two hundred thousand. So rather than the regular DP amount of 675000 you're only charging that limited amount. So therefore, you can have a ton more money to play with with the rest of the squad. So if you can, you know, if you can make a transfer like um, Matuidi work in Miami and he's just a town guy, yeah. that's what you want. You want to be able, I mean, if we can have the minimum impact for our DPs, into the salary cap, then that's that's what you want to do. That's like that's a no brainer because then you want the rest of your squad to be um, to be able to pump as much money into them as we can. So then you can go and sign Lucas Leva from Lazio and give him his retirement couple years in Atlanta, and he can anchor that midfield. <laughs> Just completely boss. What? Well, how old's um? How old is Jesse Gonzalez? Jesse Gonzalez or Jonathan Gonzalez? Jonathan, Jonathan Gonzalez is 21 years old, I believe. Okay. Jesse Gonzalez, on the other hand, is 
I think they're probably around the same age, actually. Not that it matters. You weren't. It's it's really Jonathan. It was Jonathan Gonzalez. That's who it was. Jesse Gonzalez. Jonathan Gonzalez is twenty-one. Jesse Gonzalez is a keeper from Dallas. That was very good. Um, That's right. A couple yeah, years ago, as a really young player. Um. Yeah. So if we can, and I, I believe the way the DPs, I believe, in the new CBA, some of the younger DPs are actually additional slots. I need to do more research on that because I'm not exactly sure if that's 100% true. But if so, I mean, you want to get those younger you know, younger hot players in um, as soon as you can. So, No, for sure. And, what? and to, to your point, I mean, you, you free up more money, more allocation money to go after maybe more veteran players. If we can find – I just – trying to rack my brain for somebody like Matuidi that exists out in Europe that's at the end of their career that we could bring in. I mean, I would love uh, a Tonali to come in, but he's, I mean, there's no way now. He'd have to be a DP. Do you think Luca Tony's still playing? Do you think we could bring him in? <laughs> like 45-year-old Luca Tony could still score. He'd probably still score in MLS. Right. Or so Mario you... Gomez. Bring in Mario Gomez. Oh my gosh. So do you think, Tim, because um, that, that deep that defensive midfielder player that we're we're trying to find, do you think that needs to be a more veteran player to bring in? I think it would help. Mm. Um, that said, I mean, we have... The Jeff Lorenowitz replacement? Yeah, we got guys waiting in the wings, right? Uh, Efren Morales, homegrown mm. player that we just signed. He's 17, but obviously probably still a little ways away from playing for the team. And yeah, I, I don't know, man. Um, I just think of... Like if we could find somebody, obviously like Javier Mascherano is too old to come in right. at this point, but right. somebody of that, like a, a legitimate enforcer, central defensive midfielder to come in that could really just, I think, completely change the team. But again, where are our goals coming from? That's the hardest part <laughs> to think about right now. Like I saw somebody, I can't remember who posted is like Iron Robin scored this weekend for, um, Aaron Veen maybe is who he's playing for. I can't, he's playing for a Dutch side now. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody's like, has anybody like, did anybody reach out to try and sign him? It's like to think about Ooh. like he, that would have been nice. Wasn't there a rumor that? Yeah. It's that like a year he ago would, or two years were looking ago. Yeah. for him. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah I don't know. If, yeah, be if Barcelona can and can swing getting Genie Wijnaldum for 15 million pounds, like we can find somebody out there, right? Like we can find right. somebody to bring in. Yeah. Messi's saw... available next year. We have to wait a whole year for him, though. I do not care about that Messi saga. <laughs> Jeez. It was Everyone's never gonna been... happen. It was never going to happen. And I said it in our Slack weeks ago. It's like this has always been posturing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. Care. They're going to win the league. Like they're going to clean house. They're going to bring in really quickly replacements. Messi's going to win them the league. Not that La Liga is that strong right now, but well, it's just three teams, right? It's yeah, uh, yeah. Them, Atleti, and um, Real Madrid. Yeah, that's cool. it. Uh, Chiefs coach Steve. Anyone hearing any rumors buzz on managers? Managers? Uh, managers. No. I've had nothing. Um, Tim, have you heard anything? No, absolutely heard any nothing. But I'm trying to will it into existence. Every couple of days I tweet to announce Piojo as manager. I've seen it, that. It hasn't worked yet. 
It's like, tw- <laughs> just announce Pioho, you cowards. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it needs to happen. You would have this, thought there would be some rumors by now that would have would have surfaced. It's a little troubling, right? It's a little worrying that there's not even a single rumor out there of a manager being brought in. But but the the Frank DeBoer hiring was so quick, though. I feel like it was like all of a sudden, yeah. bam! We didn't hear any rumors about that. But I felt just... like there were not him, but there were rumors about other managers. There's mm-hmm. nothing. There's mm-hmm. nothing going on right now. Yeah, that's a little troubling. Anyway, how are you feeling going into Wednesday? Um, quietly confident. Again, I think we could. It could easily be like a one-one draw or something like that. Um, so who I had their last game pulled up, and I was trying to have a look at how they did against Miami. Those... Lost to uh, Nashville, right? No, it was a nil-nil no, draw. draw. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm hoping that Matweedy, how long did he play? He didn't, I don't think he played. So their, their lineup, it was a 4-2-3-1, right? So they had Ben Sweat on the left, uh, LGP, Reyes, Figal, um, and then in the middle they had uh, Matweedy and Uoa, and then it was um, Agadello, Pizarro, Morgan, and then Carranza up, in, up top. So you'd think that, I'm trying to find out what minute, Matweedy got subbed in. Uh subbed yeah, out, subbed sorry. Out no, in the subbed out on the 79th minute. Okay, so he played he played, played good. He could he could probably be um I'm sure he'll be playing on Wednesday if he doesn't go the whole 90 minutes. So I'm interested to see how that goes. He didn't seem to play that great. Hopefully he's going to be just get shocked by how much better the MLS is compared to what his expectations were. Um I feel like we should play with a little bit more confidence against Miami after um, Orlando. I kind of agree with um, Mike Conti when he tweeted out about this could be the turning point in the season for Atlanta United. Um, and I think, you know, it. I agree with him. It could be. Um, we'll have to, but depending on how, if it's another, you know, a dour nil-nil, game against Miami that springboard that turning point is basically gone and wasted so um, I'm hoping that I think we have we have the potential to beat them Uh, I think it would still be a low scoring game Um, so I think it could be like a a 2-1 or could be a 1-1 game I don't think it's going to be high scoring but I saw the score yeah yeah absolutely it was I was surprised when that finally hit the back of the net yeah. I didn't get think your score predictions in the uh, in the chat. Uh, let us know what you think. Elliot Beaven says zero zero draw, which I hope not. For the love of God, I just want to see something. Um, Whoa, Brian says transfer market. Sorry, Tim. Brian in the trap. Transfer market saying nineteen point three million for pity. Wow. What currency is that? U.S. dollars. I'm guessing. I'm gonna have to look uh, it up unless yeah, Brian. Um, Brian comes back with it. Brittany asks, saying two one Atlanta. Um, I feel good. I feel good going into this game um, a lot better than I did against Orlando. Um, <laughs> so U.S. dollars. So nineteen point three million U.S. dollars. That's a coup, right? I mean, it's a pretty decent return on investment if we if we if we spent fourteen million for him. Uh, Coach Steve saying one nil to the good guys. Um, 
Yeah, I I think we get back on track. It was funny. Like I'm trying to remember what our score or our points predictions were going into the restart. I had between a regional tournament. I had between twelve and fifteen. <laughs> I think I did the. I think I had the same thing. And where are we at right now? We have. I think I have five. So we beat Nashville. We drew with Miami. So and then, five points. Oh no! I'm sorry. Yeah, we drew with Miami, and we drew with um, Orlando. Orlando. So yeah, five points in four games. Five points in four games. Yeah. So, so we what have we got? Two left. Game? Six, That's not bad. So it's a maximum of eleven. So I'm already out. Yeah, same. <laughs> it's not looking good for our uh, our for predict or for our predictions. Can um, you remember what Eric said? No, he probably said like one. Yeah. Something like that. I think he might have actually said like nine or ten, but I don't want to give him that credit. Yeah, I don't either. I don't <laughs> want to give Eric any credit. Whoa, Elliot Beaven, an Amazon Prime documentary about Atlanta United. Seriously, is there? Because huh. every time I turn on ESPN and I see the LAFC thing, I'm like, God, what? And which they convenient they conveniently leave out the five nil thrashing they got in Atlanta. That's yeah. not mentioned at all which is so disappointing um okay well i'm gonna have to check that out what about uh going up to to nashville um man i kind of feel man tim i'm just like one game at a time um i say if i'd say we can beat nashville uh we've beaten them before uh what's the the last game nashville played was against into miami yeah, zero, right. Zero. So, and how did they? Didn't they beat Orlando one 0 Sorry, Nashville? I'm just probably no, they lost three one. Uh oh, they drew. Okay, so Nashville played us. Where they lost two 0 They lost three one to Orlando, but then they beat into Miami and drew with Orlando one one. Oh, uh, and thought... then drew with Miami zero nil nil nil. Have they? I guess they've already played Orlando twice. I could have sworn they, they lost three one to Orlando. They've played. No, they right. did. Yeah, they did. Okay. No, they lost to Orlando back in uh, the end of August. Gotcha. So they've so they've played five of their six games. So right, our one's right, the last right. one. Yeah. So they'll have a week, um, a week's rest when they play us. So I I feel like we could go up there and. And beat them two one two nil. I feel like we could go up there and lose two nil. Um, yeah. I'll say, I'll say um, a one one draw against Nashville. I'll say one nil to both games. I'll say we win both games one nil. Nice. I hope so too. Yeah, we'll see if that happens. I don't know. I'm more confident in our defense, despite the thrashing that we got at home to Orlando. I am a lot more confident in our defense than I am in our offense. So, Yeah, I feel like that was just a perfect storm of silly things happening. Yeah. Got anything else? Um, allow me one note of nostalgia, Tim. You mentioned Fernando Torres's $50 million, trans- 50 million pound transfer mm-hmm. to Chelsea, and then you guys blew it all on Andy Carroll. But what I, what I remember, <laughs> I remember... Oh, wait, hold on, we, we spent like... 35 70% 70% of it. <laughs> I'm I mean, just giving you let's be fair. But when that happened, wasn't that the 
largest transfer? Was it in the world at that time or just in the Premier League? Yes. No, I it was believe... in the world? No. No, no, no. I think at the time, Kaká's transfer was more, and then so was Ronaldo's. Okay, um, so it was the biggest in um, Premier League history at that point so, in time. Yeah. Which I is think crazy. that Ronaldo from Man U to Real Madrid happened before, maybe the summer before. Summer so uh, what, what fascinates me is the inflation on that now, because, I mean, you've got players like Kyle Walker being transferred for 50 million now. It's just insane that Wait, did he move again? Or are you talking no, no, about no. His transfer to Man City? To Look Man at City. how much money Man City spent on their defense. <laughs> I know. It's bananas and they just keep doing it. Yeah, cuz they can. Um Elliot Beaven, there is no Atlanta documentary. I just want one for the future. But then, oh, but then look at the Liverpool back line, Dan. You have mm-hmm. homegrown Trent Alexander-Arnold, best mm-hmm. right back in the world. Yeah, You have Virgil van Dijk, most expensive center back. But then you have... Um, How much was he? Joe... At least at the time, he's most expensive. He's 75 million pounds. Wow. Which is a bargain. Mm-hmm. Won, pretty much won them a title. <laughs> right. Rolls out. Yeah. Andy Robertson, who's arguably the best left back in the world, is six million pound buy from Hull City. Wow. And then Joe Gomez was like ten million pounds from Charlton years ago. Right. So. But then Allison was fifty million. Like, it's come true. on, but come Kepa, on. Kid. Like Kepa was seventy. So, like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I yes, they did. They've done more with less than what Man City spent, but it's not like they're searching for coppers down the back of the couch or anything no they're not but they're still promoting i mean granted i I mean man city's got phil foden but like Mm. we still have homegrown talent that's getting brought up. yeah yeah absolutely i think that's nico williams homegrown nico williams of wales Mm. who scored for uh wales yesterday to beat um trying to remember who they beat in in the nation's cup i haven't been paying attention yeah. Which is terrible, really. Uh, Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood got sent home for breaking COVID protocols. <laughs> <laughs> Dumb little kids. Dumb little kids. It uh, calls them back up. But um, yeah, Chelsea spent a shitload of money. They got Kai Havertz, Zayich, and uh, Timo Werner. Mm-hmm. Spent a lot of money. Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's interesting. I heard a theory that um, Obramovich owns. Chelsea just to keep Putin Putin off his back because now he's got a global profile. So if anything happens, because you hear a lot of these stories about um, Soviet millionaires getting um, muzzled and taken out um, just because they could end up being a threat to Putin with having that much wealth. But no, now Abramovich has all this wealth. He needs to have a global profile just in case anything happens to him. Um, it could be, you know, he. It would be a high-profile um, case. Assassination, yeah. Assa- potentially, I don't know. I don't know. Just putting on my uh... or assassination attempt, right? Because the guy that was going up against Putin and uh, he's still alive, right? He's just he's poisoned, but he's still alive. No, yeah, just kept in a a constant um, uh, point point of stasis, just like um, Salamanca. Just like Gustavo Fring put Salamanca in that. Have you seen Better Call Saul? Fantastic show. No, I haven't seen Better Call Saul, but um, <laughs> watch Breaking Bad from start to finish. Now, oh, Good. you got anything else, Dan? Uh, no, Tim. 
I'm all I'm all, all tapped out. But great. As Thanks for getting on with me. Yeah. I don't think we don't use that phrase that way here in the States, but it's yeah. uh <laughs> Thanks for getting on with me, Tim. Appreciate it. I was, I'm very I leave this podcast feeling very satisfied. Oh, as with everybody, <laughs> we appreciate you guys tuning in. Or if you're listening to us on your commutes at work, if you guys still have commutes, what have you, thank you for tuning in. As always, leave us a like, a subscribe, a rating, a review, and then follow us too. Dan, where can the good people find you on social media or on you, Twitter? I guess. Yeah, you can find me at DNJMS. DNJMS. Kevin is not with us, but you can find him at the under or the architect, the underscore ARC one T E C T. You can find me at Tim Herb on Instagram. You can also find us collectively as a show on Twitter, home before dark. That's spelled B and the number four. Again, we love you guys. Thank you for tuning in as always be home before dark. Sweet. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.